0: Hi, I'm Leah Lane, an award-winning travel writer and author of Places I Remember, Tales, Truths, Delights from 100 Countries. On this podcast, we share conversations with travelers about fascinating destinations and memorable experiences around the world. I lived in the Philippines for a couple of months years ago, and I know that the country has some of the most beautiful islands in the world. Most of us know little about it otherwise as a place to travel, so let's go over some basics. Located in the Pacific Ocean near the equator, the Republic of the Philippines consists of over 7,000 islands, about 2,000 of which are inhabited. These islands are divided into three groups, Luzon, Visayas, and Mindanao. Philippine history includes Spanish rule, American rule, and Japanese occupation. The country today is a mix of over 100 ethnic groups, cultures, and influences. Our guest is David Haldine, who lives with his family part of the year in the Philippines. In his book, A Tooth in My Popsicle, he offers stories and anecdotes of life as an expat on a beautiful Philippine island. Welcome, David, to Places I Remember.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, let's start with the capital, Manila. It's a densely populated city on the island of Luzon which mixes Spanish colonial architecture with modern skyscrapers. Metropolitan Manila encompasses six cities and 12 towns. It's on the South China Sea, and it's the capital of the Philippines. So it's historic and modern, rich and poor. Tell us what you'd visit in Manila if you were traveling there.
1: Okay, well, first, let me say that Manila is not my favorite part of the Philippines. That said, it's a great place to visit, and there are many very interesting things there. My Probably my favorite part of Manila is the area called Intramuros, and that is the old walled city within the city. And it, it's really fascinating because it's just uh, so historic. And the thing that I remember the most about being there was tracing Jose Rizal's final walk to where he was executed by the Spaniards. And there's things like that. They actually have footprints along the, starting where he was imprisoned, going along the sidewalk, ending up in the park at the spot where he was executed. You know, When was that? It was right at the very end of the Spanish colonial period, just before the U.S. stepped in, and, and that was in 1898. Uh, he was a spokesman for the uh, the revolution, although he wasn't an active revolutionist.
0: I know intramuros is also home to a couple of UNESCO World Heritage sites. There's the Baroque 16th century San Augustine Church, and there's Fort Santiago, which was a military prison. So I agree with you. It's one of the more interesting areas. Makati is the area I probably would stay at. That's the more high-end area. It has a lot of culture and entertainment.
1: And great shopping.
0: What would you shop for if you were if you were going shopping in the
1: Philippines? I think the best place to go in Manila is the Mall of Asia, which is the it's the largest mall in the Philippines and something like the eighth largest mall in the world, I think. And it's quite amazing. It's overlooking the ocean. What you go shopping for, everything, almost everything is cheaper in the Philippines than it is certainly in the U.S. and many other places. So it's a good place for going shopping no matter what you're looking for.
0: I agree. Okay. Well, if you go to Manila, you might want to take a day trip out there to a coconut plantation or a volcano, waterfall. There are lots of day trips offered. You could go to the UNESCO-listed natural sites of Banway and Bannot Rice Terraces. They're 2,000 mm-hmm. years old, and uh, you can hike to a waterfall. Have you done that? There. I have
1: not right in Manila. There's a waterfall not too far. I would also add: this is a little bit outside of Manila. It's like a day's drive, but a place called Baguio. Yes,
0: I've been there. Yes,
1: beautiful. It's uh, north of Manila. Beautiful rice terraces. It's a gorgeous city, and the it's kind of up in the mountains. So it's probably the place in the Philippines that has the best climate. If if you come from California or someplace like that, you like that kind of climate. Baguio feels almost like Southern California.
0: I know much of the Philippines is humid. I think the best time to visit is in the winter when it gets a little less so. Would you agree?
1: I would say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a lot of rain. (laughs) But it's warm, tropical rain, and it's actually quite pleasant if you're sitting in a house, you you feel this incredible drumbeat on the house, like, (laughs) like that about 15 seconds and then it goes away, you know. Oh, but, I love that. Yeah, me too. I I find it very soothing.
0: That puts me to sleep. I put that on weird. just to go to sleep in white noise just to hear it. Yes, Perfect.
1: I agree. Filipinos think I'm totally weird because I like that.
0: <laughs> well, the gem of the Philippines are the uncrowded tropical islands. Many remain unspoiled with clear water, palms, sand beaches, coral reefs. Let's mention a few of them. Tell me oh. about the island of Cebu.
1: Well, Cebu, pretty much everywhere uh, has beautiful beaches. And the city of Cebu is very interesting as well. I've been scuba diving there once or twice off of some of the beaches around Cebu. The areas of Cebu are Mactan, Lapu Lapu. Really, all those beaches are beautiful. The one thing in Cebu to do that I really suggest is they have an annual fiesta there called the Sanulog Fiesta, which is the third Sunday. Of January, and that's probably the biggest fiesta, at least the most famous fiesta in the Philippines.
0: Well, I know uh, there but, are many fiestas, and towns have their own one, right? All year long, and, and, you, and you want to find them, ta- right?
1: Every town in Barangay has a fiesta every year for its patron saint. So, pretty much wherever you are in the Philippines, there's a fiesta going on somewhere nearby.
0: So seek it out if you can, because they're wonderful to attend, for sure. So Cebu has a lot of clubs and bars and galleries. It's got a city, as you said, so there's some culture and nightlife. What about the island of Palawan?
1: I love Palawan. There's a beautiful city, small city there called Puerto Princesa. There's something called the Underground River, which is a really interesting place.
0: You paddle Um, in the dark, I know. You go through there, right?
1: Very quiet. Yeah, very quiet. El Nido is a beautiful place in Palawan to go to. And there's a lot of island hopping there and a place called Coron. Those are all areas where you go get a little boat and they'll take you everywhere. So Palawan is beautiful.
0: I can imagine it's uncrowded, even though it's popular, because every place, as you said, you can find a little island near it, even if the main island is busy. Well, that's right? true.
1: You know, as you as you mentioned earlier, there's 7,000 plus islands. So you're never far from a, an almost deserted island. Perfection. You
0: know? perfection. Yeah. There's a private yeah. island on Palo Alto called Banwa Private Island. I read about this one. I did not go there. It costs a hundred thousand dollars a night and it's considered okay. the most expensive island resort in the world. It's 15 oh. acres. Yes. And it's a two hour helicopter or seaplane ride from Manila. So you can go all the way to the top. You can wow. go in I, a hut or you could go there.
1: I'm not aware of that. And I, I don't think I'll be spending any money. <laughs> anytime soon but you know maybe one day if I win the lottery you know that's right <laughs> nice place. to think but, about it yeah yeah let's
0: talk about the island of Boracay tell me about yeah,
1: that Boracay okay. is also beautiful now that's a that's a very uh, popular island there's a lot of tourists there but again you know there's uh, so many different places there Boracay is probably more developed than some of the other islands there's a lot of lovely resorts there and beautiful beaches there's a nightlife in Barakai, which you don't get everywhere. There's a lot of beach bars and people hanging out, drinking, and dancing on the beach. You know, it got a lot of attention a few years ago because the President Duterte actually shut down Barakai for about six months because he was concerned about the environment, pollution of the environment. So he basically said, "Okay, that's it. No more business in Barakai. And they'd also a lot of the uh, resorts had violated national ordinances about building too close to the ocean, you know. So I was there shortly after they reopened it. And it was amazing. It looked like the public officials had gone through the island. You know, there's a 30-meter mark, and it's illegal to build anything below that. There were resorts with their whole sides just, you know, cut off, and you could see the rooms. They've recovered now, and they've rebuilt all that, and uh, it's a wonderful place to go. So I highly recommend Boracay. Well,
0: it has uh, been called the world's best island by one of the magazines that I, you know, Travel yeah. and Leisure yeah. or Condé Nast, one of them, and Palawan has as well. So I guess it's recovered. It's got Powdery White Beach, glorious sunsets. It's got Mount Lujo with panoramic views over the island and shipwrecks, and sounds perfect. Hmm. So let's hear about your island, that one you live near.
1: The island that I'm most familiar with is called Shargal Island and it's actually where my wife is from she was born there and we have a we have a little property there and we go there quite a lot on the weekends. We have a little beach cabin there. It actually, historically, it was a very quiet, kind of undiscovered island. And then then the surfers discovered it. Now it's considered the surfing capital of the Philippines. It also was named at one point by Conde Nast magazine as the best island destination in Asia. In Asia, right. When Boracay was closed by Duterte for that period that I told you about, Shargau really benefited because everyone that was headed to Boracay changed their plans and went to Chargau. Probably the most interesting place, and you want to see the culture, is a, a town called General Luna. And that's where they have, uh, every year they have the international surfing competition there. And that's where mo- most of the tourists and foreigners hang out. Just all kinds of things to see there, and nightlife. And but it's also very islandy. It's not a city, you know. It's really an island town. There's also a place called Mogpapunko Beach, which is where oh, we I actually- like
0: that <laughs> yeah,
1: Mogpapunko. That means uh, squatting rock, and it's named that because indeed there's a rock a big boulder there, and at low tide, it looks just like like it's squatting there. Magpapunko is famous for its rock pools. They're just tide pools, and during low tide, you can go swimming in them. It's just like a swimming pool. It's like a warm saltwater swimming pool, and a lot of tourists go there. That's actually where we have our property in Magpapunko, and it's a beautiful place. It's changed tremendously Since the first time I saw it, about 20 years ago, when nothing was on the island, in fact, my wife and I built the first structure on the island, which was a little wooden structure with hearts in the ceiling for, you know, because we were in love, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's not there because it was was, uh, blown away by the recent typhoon two years ago. And so is a lot of other things at at Chargal, but they're coming back. I was just there last weekend, and it's a beautiful place to visit real quickly. They also have uh, an international fishing tournament in April in a place called Pilar. And probably my favorite place is another island very near Chargal called Bucas Grande. And what's interesting about that island is there's only one way in, and it's through a place called Socorro Cove. And that's the most famous desirable place. And the only there's only one way to get in, and it's through a tunnel that's only open at low tide, you know. So you get in a boat and you go through this little tunnel and you got to get out before the tide goes up or you're stuck there for the <laughs> well, night. Well,
0: that doesn't sound so bad if you get stuck there.
1: <laughs> no, say, I can think of worse places to be stuck. It's a beautiful place with a lot of underwater caves and rock formations. And one of my favorite things is there's a little lagoon there with thousands of stingless jellyfish, you know, and you stingless. can go- stingless they can't sting
0: because they are beautiful if they're stingless So
1: you go go swimming there underwater with a mask or something and you just see all these beautiful jellyfish and they won't hurt you wow
0: love it um, i love these ideas and you can see there's stuff to do in the philippines but many travelers don't know much about the philippines culture or the reality so let's talk a little bit about that let's start with food everybody's interested in that what are some of the favorites that travelers shouldn't miss
1: what i've Found is that Filipinos will pretty much eat everything or anything, you know. So some of it's kind of a, appealing to travelers. Some of it, not so much. One thing that's traditional and you see at every fiesta, every birthday party, every uh, celebration is lechon. You know, the pig on the on the table. The first time I saw it, I was shocked because here's this big whole pig, you know, roasted pig. The only thing that was missing was the apple in its mouth, you know, (laughs) pig, and that took a little getting used to, but I did eventually, and it's delicious and it's lovely. And, you know, you have to get over your Western prejudices. They have a dessert that's called hollow hollow, which is really lovely ice and fruits and, you know, all kinds of beautiful things. It's different uh, wherever you go. Ube is a is a flavor, it's a purple flavor that they make ice cream and cakes and everything out of ube. And then there's some kind of weird things that not everyone likes to eat. Like I don't like, I've never tasted them. Balut is one of the famous things and what that is, it's actual eggs with duck embryos, you know. They
0: have that in Vietnam as well. I know I've been offered
1: love that and they swear by it. My wife loves it and I can't bring myself to to try it. I'm sorry.
0: How about adobo? That's more popular. That's just a regular. stew, Right.
1: Yeah. Very good. Very tasty. There are a lot of uh, shakes and fruit drinks, mango shakes and things like that. There's a drink that you only get out in the very remote islands, like the one that I live on, called tuba. It's a coconut wine, I guess. They get it from the sap of the trees. And it only lasts like maybe two or three days. And then it goes bad. So you can't buy it in a store.
0: You got to drink it all up.
1: You have to get some local kid to climb the coconut (laughs) for you and get it out and then you drink it right away and it's it's very powerful
0: well maybe Uh after that the egg with the fetus in it
1: yeah that's right
0: (laughs) they eat it right (laughs) sounds delicious i mean most of the things are are tropical and and lovely let me ask you about the infrastructure because i know it's a a society that's still developing its tourism and i know it's a problem what are some of the situations with the infrastructure in the philippines
1: well, you know, everything is, things are not reliable like they are in the West, you know, like electricity. I mean, brownouts are common and every house, including ours, has a generator, a diesel generator. So when the power goes out, you can start up the, the generator. As a matter of fact, we're, we're planning to go solar and we found a very good solar person here in in Surigao where we live. So people, if they can afford it, they go to solar. We've actually been saving money to do that. It will in the long run make our lives much easier here. Transportation is, is problematic at times. You, you know, I'm sure that there are laws in the Philippines about how people should drive, but I've never seen one enforced.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I get I, I remember that.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so you kind of have to just go with the flow. Yeah.
0: I remember also, did they still drive with the lights off at night?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, boy. Yeah, (laughs) it amazes me. I mean, and and you'll see motorcycles with whole families on them, seven people with no lights driving down the street at night. It's amazing that more people are not killed here.
0: Let's talk about one of the best elements of the country, the people. Filipinos yes. are among the happiest and friendliest people on the globe. I remember that very well. I was working there, how, how supportive they were, how hospitable they were. I was just blown yes. away by how lovely they were. So what do you think? What makes them that way? Why are they so kind?
1: Well, I agree. They are. I mean, there, there's a warmth in the culture, and they're very friendly to visitors. They they go out of their way to make you feel welcome. They smile they're very religious. Also, they tend to be Catholic. Most of them are Catholic and they take their faith very seriously for the most part. And I think that may have something to do with their disposition. They tend to be very optimistic. And, you know, I I sort of say that, you know, the the, the basic credo is despite all evidence to the contrary, everything will be just fine. You know, that's kind of the way Filipinos feel about life. And you can see that in their attitude. It was one of the things that I loved about my wife when I first met her, and and one of the things that I admire. And I, I've always I always want to be more like that, be more optimistic. Being a Westerner, I tend to sink into these dark moods. Filipinos don't do that too much, you know. They right. they see the positive side of things, and I love that.
0: I remember how wonderful they were with elders. They they have a title of respect automatically that they bestowed on someone whose age is. Over there. So it's yes. a very respectful thing. And they even, I remember, touched the older person's hand. That's right. They, their forehead and a blessing. It was wonderful. That's
1: right. Yeah, that's right. And they have their titles built into the language. Kuya means older brother. Ate means older sister and various names. And of course, being 74 years old myself, I really appreciate that.
0: I like it, too. <laughs> I like it, too. I know they love nature. Uh, They live in harmony with all kinds of lowly creatures. So you have to get used to that a little bit too. It's part of their wonderful love of life. So I I would say that the islands and the people are the two things that made me remember Philippines as a wonderful place.
1: And I would concur. The the physical beauty of the place, the whole country, everywhere you look, and just the warmth and joy of the people. And, And especially with With how poor people here are, there's a great deal of poverty here, and there's not a lot of opportunity. They so appreciate what they do have. So grateful just for life itself. And that's very inspiring to me.
0: Very inspiring. Well, the name of the podcast is Places I Remember. So we share memories. David?
1: My most vivid memory of the Philippines (laughs) is... When I met my wife and, you know, I told you she comes from Sharagau Island, from a little village. We met online, actually, and we corresponded for a while. And then I came to visit her and she met me in Surigao City, where we now live in the port with a chaperone. Hardly said a word to me. And within an hour, we were on a boat full of bananas and pigs on the way to Sharagau Island to meet mom and dad. And that was an incredible experience. We walked into this little village Now, this is 20 years ago. All these kids are following me through the streets, and she takes me into mom and dad's house, and here the whole family is sitting there, you know, mom, dad, four brothers and sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, everyone, and outside half the town, probably 60 people are outside looking in the windows, and I said, Ivy, what are all these people here for? (laughs) And they said, oh, they've never seen a foreigner up close. And it was really something I had just met Ivy and we hadn't met no plans. We certainly didn't have any plans at that point to get married. And the first thing her mom says to me is, so you want to marry my daughter? (laughs) (laughs) And poor Ivy's tensing up next to me, you know, and it was an interrogation. But it said a lot about not only her family, but about the culture. And, And I don't know. To what extent it's still like that, but I think it is largely. They were not going to let their daughter leave that little town without a pretty thorough investigation into who she was going with. And then after that, I went out to the beach and the townspeople had a teacher translating for them and they asked me questions. (laughs) And in the end, I guess I passed the test, you know, they gave us their blessing. And so we were able to to move forward. It gives a sense
0: of community. I know that there's a tremendous sense of community in these little villages where, just what you said, I felt it as well.
1: Yeah, very much so. They were not going to let her go off with anybody. and It wasn't just her parents. It was the whole town. Very interesting.
0: Well, you can read more of this kind of anecdote in David Halding's Memories of Life in the Philippines in his entertaining new book, A Tooth in My Popsicle. Thank you, David, for your insights about this still much untraveled destination. It was fun.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, Enjoyed talking with you.
0: Thanks for listening to our award-winning podcast. We've recorded over 100 episodes of Places I Remember, so follow us on any podcast app. And new monthly episodes are also on YouTube with gorgeous video. My book, Places I Remember, is available in print and Kindle, and I read the audio version. Follow my travel writing at Forbes.com. Contact me at the links in the show notes or on my website, com, and keep making your own travel memories.